Good morning, everybody, and welcome back to Replatform Podcast. Uh, this is episode 17. We're clocking them up quite quickly now. Uh, I'm joined, this is James, I'm joined as always by my co-host, Paul Rogers. How are you doing, Paul? I'm very well. How are you? Yeah, not bad. It's early on a Monday, and it's good that we're all both right. awake. You're fueled up on caffeine, so... yeah. Is it a good weekend? Yes, it was very good, although uh, I was pretty uh, tired after a couple of games of football on Friday, but yeah, pretty chilled. What about you? That's age catching up with you. Yeah, I'm all good. Um, I'm, I'm really happy that my breakfast was eaten by the office dog this morning because ah. I was stupid enough to leave it near where he was sitting. Um, so yeah, I'll be hungry during this podcast, but it's all good. So today we are talking about uh, paid media essentials for platform migration. And we're joined by Scott Wright, who's a uh, senior paid media consultant, the wise owl of Levant. And I'll uh, get you to introduce yourself in a minute, Scott. Do you want to say a quick hello to everybody? Hey, everyone. Cool. Thank you for joining us. So the reason we're talking about this day is this is a topic that is so often ignored during re-platform projects. It's an afterthought, and then it can cause problems from a paid media execution reporting and optimization point of view. So I think a lot of people buy into the fact that SEO is a key stream of replatforming, technical SEO, migration planning. But often the paid media stuff sits on the side, and it can be an agency that's not brought into the conversation. And then people go through planning. They don't think about tracking, tagging, data feeds, et cetera. And then you get towards the go live, and all of a sudden the paid media people say, hang on a minute, but you're missing key scripts for us to do our marketing or the data feeds, not what we need to do the shopping ads, et cetera. And then it's either a last minute panic, which can often add unexpected costs or it's going live and compromising revenue streams. So we're, uh, we're going to sit and rip this apart with Scott, who's a specialist in this area and really get some practical advice about things you need to think about and common issues and what they can do. So that's the framing of today. So now, Scott, it'd be really good if you can give uh, everybody who's listening a bit of an introduction about yourself, a bit of your background and, and how you've got involved in replatforming projects in the past. Yeah, of course. Uh, I've been working in paid media for about six years now. And through that, I have seen kind of many clients go through the replatforming and the kind of the relaunching of their sites. So I've seen kind of every example of kind of things going well. And then the little moments in pvc where things don't go so well especially when it comes to replatform and it's like where does pvc come into this conversation i think it's something that is often overlooked i've worked most of my career in kind of agencies where there's like an seo team beside me and having that seo team obviously they're kind of at the forefront of kind of replatforming projects they're deep diving into the data they're making sure everything is kind of going to plan and then PPC is kind of sitting to the side kind of you know hoping that our elements do kind of pull through if we're not involved in the conversation that makes sense and I guess my first question when do you think paid should be brought into that replatforming conversation <laughs> ideally at the same time that anything like SEO is is pulled into the conversation I, I obviously understand there's priorities but I think there's no harm bringing it in at the same time and then obviously looking at a time map of okay what are the requirements we need for pvc um through that kind of plan because i think people underestimate what what kind of uh technical ability can come into it um and i think we'll go into that later around kind of the feeds and stuff but if it's a last minute thing that you do you know two weeks away from the replatforming um you might suddenly realize there's a few things that you should have done kind of before then so as early as possible um because it's kind of a real 
good opportunity to kind of drive those improvements on the site. That makes sense. And what are some of the things that you think need to be kind of ran over at that point? Yeah, I think a key one that James mentioned in the introduction is kind of looking at what technical aspects are kind of running through PBC first. So anything around kind of the tracking, the pixels we have live, just making sure they're going to be secure moving across the site, especially if there has been um, kind of deeper work done onto them. If there's custom events pulling through the site, we want to make sure they're all kind of pulling through. So kind of our Facebook ads can't remain as normal because obviously it's the same as SEO. Our ideal situation is nothing really changes. We want the results to stay consistent uh, from that first kind of launch of the new site. Um, and then looking into kind of the feed side of things. So Google Shopping, if that's running, is, is often where some of the kind of bigger, more time investment work can be done through PBC, quite similar to how SEO will have their meta descriptions and they may have spent some hours writing those out. We would have done the same thing with product titles and product descriptions, making sure those are going to be secure during the replatforming project. Yeah, that's, that's really nice practical uh, uh, advice for people. A, a key question I've got is a lot of the time, a huge amount of effort gets put into SEO analysis going through a migration and you get loads of documentation and meetings and workshops, but hardly ever does pe do people do this on paid. I'm intrigued to know, and often you get that because there's a paid agency external or maybe somebody in-house who is an SEO and therefore they're driving the internal agenda. What have you found when you go through working with people, doing analysis work that could feed into like site migrations, what are the key things that have come up from your point of view where you think, ah, this could influence decisions made during implementation? Yeah, I think it is a good kind of crossover with SEO because SEO will do that analysis um, on top of PPC. So a kind of unknowingly there will be analyzing PPC data just so not in kind of in a silo they won't kind of segment out kind of the source PPC so from a PPC side if we do that purely say on our landing pages that's when we can start kind of pulling things that we need to improve and I think something I've seen often in my career is and this is just purely from my experience is working in PPC. We, we sometimes have less kind of day to day contact with say the developers, less kind of say on kind of what goes kind of on site. And that's something that, you know, an SEO team will build up over a few years and will be obviously kind of their main concern of replatform is they want to keep all their work secure, but it's similar to PPC that this kind of raises an opportunity for us to be able to kind of raise our hand and say, you know, maybe it's time to think about those suggestions or what we've wanted to do for a few years with some of the landing pages, some of the, like the categorization of the products um, and the kind of the flow of the site because key things in PPC that we look for improvements in terms of, you know, especially if we've been in account for a couple of years is we don't want our results to plateau, but sometimes they do because we're not pushing the changes kind of on the site side. You know, there's only so many changes kind of big scale changes you can do to like the optimizations and the structure of campaigns so then it becomes an opportunity to say okay can we maybe tweak this about the structure can we maybe get a landing page for this category of products um, and it may be something easier to bring up during a replatforming project than it is outside of conversation um, obviously using stuff like landing page tools is an extra cost and depending on the client you can get a lot of pushback um, but while going for a replatform project, sometimes they're more open to that conversation. 
Excellent. Um, and that leads me on to, to the next question. So let's get a little bit more uh, technical around mm -hmm. things that you can influence and, and e-commerce teams should be thinking about during the implementation phase. So can you talk us through some of the key things that a paid media person can and should influence in terms of analytics and tracking? Um, so start with analytics and tracking, then we'll talk about data feeds, and then we'll come on to things like site navigation and content. Yes, so analysis and tracking, as I mentioned before, we'd want our current setup to remain pretty much the same. Um, but what we're looking for there is, it's probably just quite similar to SEO first, is no drop off in like the GA. Most, I think most companies use Google Analytics as kind of their source of truth, um, whether that be the best thing for them or not. But we're using it as a source of truth. So any drop off in our tracking on Google Analytics and then pretty much that pulls into Google AdWords as well, um, will basically then stop that data coming through. So we want to make sure that first and foremost, um, our Google Analytics tags are kind of pulling through to the replatforming and then enhance e-commerce kind of staying on as well. Um, these are things that are quite broadly apply to kind of any kind of replatform project. But as we dive deeper into kind of AdWords and Facebook, there can be some work done into kind of the custom events that we particularly want, um, especially on the Facebook pixel side. Um, the Facebook pixel will be obviously key important for anything we're doing on Facebook, but there are custom events we can do. I've worked with clients before who have, who work in, in e-commerce, but also have kind of their eBooks to download and it's all part of their funnel. So we've had to do custom work with making sure kind of the buttons are being tracked, the downloads are being tracked and certain engagements. And if that was to drop off, you'd basically drop off a whole campaign because Facebook has, kind of ongoing with its kind of learning metric behind kind of the installs or the downloads it's tracking. And if that drops off, drops off your kind of CPMs, your costs will rise and you'll be kind of flying blind as well. And in terms of just go one level deeper into the analytics, mm -hmm. what are some of the issues that you've seen where actually people haven't thought through analytics implementations properly? Therefore, you might have core tracking tags, but the level of data capture and the customizations don't really give the paid team a enough to do you know sophisticated reporting rather than just top level reporting yeah from my side um like with and as i said going on to like enhanced e-commerce uh kind of tracking and making sure we've got kind of the kind of the click to detail rates and kind of all that data will allow us to definitely dive into kind of google shopping in, in a bigger way um and like you said it's, it comes from a reporting side and for me reporting has been a big thing that i've focused on my career i've used kind of google data studio a lot um i've done various i think at free agencies now i've done uh, rollouts of data studio and you see that's where you see most gaps in analytics if you've set up a data studio report for your reporting and then you kind of apply it to a new profile or new tracking goes live you quickly see something like the top selling products you won't then see like a buy to detail rate that will drop off and then you're basically losing insight quite quickly and some of that is the simple side of just enabling enhanced e-commerce but if there's been custom work done again onto the event side of things anything that drops off is basically 
a delay in the data and a drop off in the insights. Um, there's nothing worse than looking back on year on year data. Um, I've, I've had it quite a few times. Um, you look back and you go, oh, what was that drop back in July 2018? And they're like, oh, that was when we replatformed. And you just see this drop in like revenue and like clicks or, or something like that. And it's just a simple mistake of not pulling through the exact same tracking we already have. And that's always annoying because it will forever be in the reports. It'll be forever something you're kind of seeing um, back in, in kind of the historic data. That makes sense. Um, a couple that I've seen as well um, with recent projects even um, that are quite common in terms of ruining channel attribution and uh, particularly paid is things like double tracking due to uh, poorly set up uh, conversion tracking in the checkout and mm -hmm. also things like for international setups, uh, multi-currency not being considered from a Google Analytics perspective. So if you're not passing the currency into the data layer or if it's just not set up in the right way um, the and you've got a profile that has that's using the base currency, um, it won't then apply an exchange rate. So that will also impact reporting. Yeah, that's a really yeah, that's a really good point you made, Paul. Around double counting, um, that's something that can happen because obviously we talk. Well, I'm talking about making sure things stay the same. Um, there has been cases before where people have applied like just a new Facebook pixel. They've like okay, new site, new pixel, um, but then also at the same time, the site has pulled through the old pixel, um, and that's something that unless you're checking like the Facebook pixel attribution and stuff in Facebook ads manager, you might not necessarily see straight away. You might at first celebrate awesome new performance. You're like, oh great, the replatform project works amazing. You know, sales are going through the roof, conversion rate are doubled. Uh, and then you look into it and you're like, actually we're double firing the pixel. And not only is that obviously falsifying the results in Facebook ads manager, it's also telling Facebook to basically ramp up uh, not spend as we control that, but it's kind of ramp up the kind of optimizations because the algorithm will be having kind of a field day. We're thinking it's doing amazing. Yeah, absolutely. That makes sense. Um, so moving on to feeds, uh, mm -hmm. so to start off with, can you run us through some considerations? So when you're replatforming around the feed, so how it should be approached, whether you should be looking to kind of maintain an existing feed, generate a new one, um, what needs to be considered there and then also maybe in terms of kind of issues you've seen as a result of feeds maybe just run us through yeah um i think i made the comparison earlier that kind of the work that goes into the feed is probably quite similar to the work that goes into stuff like meta descriptions and, and page types from an seo site it's it's really kind of the deep dive part of my job is going into a Google shopping product feed and what the team will do to optimize that at any point is rewrite the titles, rewrite the descriptions, apply custom tags so we can build into our campaigns. And this is probably where quite, quite a lengthy amount of work goes into. Uh, I did one last week for a very small feed and it was probably a four hour job. Um, and because it was a small feed, I think I probably did a few more manual elements rather than a few more automated elements. Um, but yeah, it's, it's where some length, lengthy work can go because these SKUs can go into like the thousands, the tens of thousands. So if you've put in so much work to do this, to lose that would be fairly catastrophic from a paid side. Um, 
because the Google shopping performance um, relies on the feed. It's obviously, it's not keyword allocated. It's purely pulling off the titles and descriptions to how it shows. Um, so the considerations I have from that, I don't really think replatforming brings up an opportunity uh, to improve the feed. It's mostly we need that feed to stay the same. I think there's a lot more risk uh, in replatform with the feed then there is opportunity um opportunity lies in the fact that maybe if you're replatforming from uh maybe kind of a custom built site from my experience custom builds um have kind of harder to work with uh feeds um just as my experience of, of working with custom builds um so sometimes you're limited um sometimes maybe you're moving away from a platform that wasn't kind of working for you as a pvc um i think that comes into the own uh, the pvc's own ability um and then the relationship with the developers um from for me i wouldn't describe myself as much um very skilled in the developer kind of side of things uh when i first went into magento about five years ago i was shaking i was going to click the wrong button and delete the site um i tried to stay out stay out of that um but then if they were to move to something like shopify shopify i think has built a real user-friendly thing for anyone to jump into um so maybe if if the client relationship with the PPC is more on the PPC to do some of the dev work, then maybe replatforming does bring up an opportunity um, because it's easier for me to jump into Shopify, pull a feed from uh, the Google Shopping app or the data feed uh, watch app, and then work on that myself. Whereas Magento, I think, needs a bit more kind of skill to go into. So that would be the opportunity side is if you replatform into something that's easier to use for the PPC, and the relationship is the fact that PPC has to do some of that work, um, then they may find it easier to do some of the changes they need. The risk that's attached to this is you can lose all the work you've already done. Um, so if they, if you've been working in kind of the raw feed or you've been working in Google Merchant Center to have this kind of amazing feed that you've worked on for a year and it's bringing in the good results and then you, they well you replatform and then you lose that work because the feed is basically new the old feed's been deleted and you know a few even if you had custom rules to change stuff that was pulling in um those custom rules may no longer apply due to the changes in the feed um so kind of a simple custom rule would be to change kind of the titles based on uh you know if they didn't have the brand name then it would pull in but maybe the brand name is in there but now it's like I don't know, say if you had a brand called the brand, but there was a space in between it and now there's no longer a space, um, that custom rule might no longer play, apply or it might double apply. You might actually have the brand with no space and then the brand with double space. So you may mess up your custom rules pulling that in as well. Um, and that will be very frustrating to fix, would take hours. It, may, it might be one of those things where someone looks at it and goes, okay, then we just have to start again. Um, and you don't want that. That's that's the equivalent um, to losing all your meta descriptions or all that kind of optimization over time. It's 
yeah, I think that is a good cons- comparison. Like if you were to drop SEO rankings from a, uh, a site migration, that would be considered, you know, a negative impact. It's the same with Google Shopping. If we were to drop uh, Google Shopping rankings and kind of our, our visibility behind our products, that would be the equivalent nightmare for a PPCer. To make sure this doesn't happen, um, I think one of the easiest things to do if you don't already is look at a third party, third party option, um, something that can act as a go-between between Merchant Center and the feed and pulling in through there, you should be able to have a bit more consistency through this. Um, so if you pull in a new feed to that and you've got all your rules set and you can see it before it hits Merchant Center. Um, so I use Shoptimize quite a lot and that's easier to do custom rules through than it is in Google Merchant Center itself. That's why tools like this exist. Um, and you'll be able to see that data before it hits Google Merchant Center. Um, but ideally the first port is we don't change that feed too much. We want as much consistency moving from platform to platform, or if it's Magento 1 to Magento 2, we, we just need that feed to stay consistent. Any changes to that can really set back a PPC team, uh, you know, weeks worth of work when when it comes to the client relationship. It may be one of those things where the client uh, will be like, you know, how has everything gone? And you're like, oh, we're having to redo your Google Shopping campaigns basically this month. And having to explain that if there hasn't been an open conversation pre that with the replatforming, it, again, it's all relationship based. It's all making sure the PPC, PPC team is aware replatforming is happening, making sure they've been involved in the conversation prior to avoid these issues and then avoid post kind of replatform issues as well. That's, that's some brilliant insights for people to take away. I think the, the, the key thing, the key takeaway for me in this, not being a paid specialist myself, is you have to have somebody who understands data feeds at a granular level involved in the project, whether that's somebody internal or it's working with a paid media partner, because getting it wrong not only costs you money later on, but it can fundamentally screw up um, your ongoing optimization revenue. And the last thing you want to have to tell a director a lot a uh, month after all the P- uh, the sites launched and loads of PRs going on about the brand new site you've got is sorry we've just killed your paid media conversion. Yeah, exactly. It's it's a nightmare scenario from my side as a paid consultant yeah. working with clients to have to go to a client and say, oh, all that good work we've been reporting on is basically back to day one. Like your conversion rates down, your product visibility is down, your revenues down, <laughs> and you know it never it never sounds good to say that, even if it's not necessarily something was your fault, but it is something that could have been avoided. And obviously that's where conflict can arise in those relationships. Like, um, yeah, you just need to be involved in that conversation. Like I said, it, it may not be a bigger thing to be involved in. It may be just having that paid media person in the room at one point during the initial talks. Um, and then, yeah, just having an insight, like it might not even take a few hours to have a paid person look over um, the current scope and, say these are considerations to make um but yeah skipping those few hours of a paid media consultant can then cost you in the long run yeah i think that's good i've got i'm working on a m1 to m2 project at the moment and uh, one of the key things made sure is that the paid media agency have got access to the internal head of development so that they can define what the changes to, to data feed and analytics should be going into the new platform to unpick some of the blockers they've had for the last six months. Um, mm-hmm. 
because I know what it's like. You go live, and then there's some people like, "Why aren't you giving me better ROAS?" It's like, "Can't we? Can't you? Should be. We got a new platform." It's like, "Yeah, but I can't do anything because I've got no data." Um, yeah. Cool, excellent. That's really useful. Thanks. One more question around the the, the whole where paid can influence and also where things can screw up the paid media partners is is site navigation and content what in your experience are the the, the key areas um that can impact uh, paid media if if changes are made and you're not consulted or if things aren't thought through properly in terms of navigation and content yeah i think the first simple and obvious one this is like the 101 of of, of replatform and paid and it's it's the one if even if we haven't been involved in the talks that i would talk to someone and just get all the new structure like if site URLs are changing obviously not telling your paid team creates basically a whole list of 404s that you go send in paid traffic to um i haven't thankfully had a client that's ever launched a website and not told at least someone in the agency that the URLs are changing, but it is it is a risk that if you don't involve your paid team, that you're going to generate a lot of four or fours in your campaigns. Um, but that's first and foremost like the most simple one. Um, but I think I was touching on earlier; it does raise an opportunity for the paid team to have a say in potential changes they wanted to make on the site or with kind of the structure. Um, so landing pages are obviously one of the main way we can optimize kind of our post-click experience. Um, so what your quality score from, from kind of AdWords pulls in basically that landing page experience and the relevancy of that landing page. So if it's something that a paid team hasn't been able to work on before, and again, I think I found this more moving from like custom builds. I had quite a big client move from a pure custom build to a Magento 2 build. Um, and that just allowed us a lot more freedom, both from an SEO side and a paid side, to do some of the things we hadn't been able to do for basically the time we worked for that client due to quite a closed system they had. The developer had full control. Uh, we had no access and it was basically a lot of money for them to change stuff on their site, hence the uh, replatforming. Um, so it opened up this nice window of opportunity to say, okay, these are the things I need from paid. Like our landing pages don't carry this message in. They don't quite link up with the adverts we're putting out, but it's the adverts that also you want us to put out. So it's like you, you have this in between where you're setting adverts to a page and just hoping that, the, the the customer converts based on kind of this leap of faith, this leap of knowledge from your advert. So be able to put the stuff in your advert on the on the landing page again is one on one in terms of um, optimizations for PVC side, but it's some stuff that we do sometimes get pushed back on. And like I said before, if they're not investing in stuff like A/B testing with landing pages through a tool like Unbounce, for example, then you're pretty much stuck with the page you get. Um, you pretty much get your landing pages, and you're like, yeah, we can't change those. Just bring us the most conversions. And of course, if we could change those, we could bring more. Uh, and then from a structure side, I think the the one I see most from e-commerce is just like having a category of products. Um, for example, I had a client who wanted to really push um, their vegan kind of range of products uh, last January. And I was like, but there's nowhere on your site. And then they were like, yeah, but these products are vegan. I was like, well, can you make a category? Can you make like a landing page to send someone to? And they were like, oh, no, we can't at the moment. Uh, I was like, okay. And I was like, when can you? And they were like, oh, probably when we re-platform. And that was like eight months away or something at that point. Um, 
So again, they had this limitation on what they could do on their own site due to the current build. So that replatform conversation can bring these up. So, you know, that vegan range of products suddenly had somewhere to live. And I think, again, I think the SEO team would look into this, but another example is just looking at the on-site search data um, and seeing what category of products people are looking for. Um, so I had a client who did cookery classes and sold the vouchers on the site. Um, and we saw that there was a category of uh, cooking classes people were looking for that didn't exist. They could technically get them from the classes. Uh, I think it was like a sushi making course. And you know, it was just simple as putting that on, on the website, using that data, having that learning page, pushing an ad to it. And then suddenly they had more revenue coming from like basically existing products. They just had to rebrand them a little bit. Um, so all those conversations are really vital to have uh, both with, uh, I'd say, get your paid media consultant, get your SEO consultant in the same room and just thrash it out over a couple of hours to like what they both want to see. Because I think it's also important to have those two people talking together because you don't want the paid team because I myself and the pay team will get really excited. You know, we can finally make changes to the website. We want this, we want this, we want that. And then the SEO team will find out later. They're like, okay, uh, my current rankings, like my, <laughs> everything they've done to optimize the site, they want to keep it steady during a free platform and they don't want to, um, you know, they potentially don't want to introduce loads of new on-site content because that kind of goes against what they've been optimizing towards. So I think it's really important to have those two teams talking together as we're going through this process, as you might end up with a very SEO heavy kind of uh, plan that kind of disregards PPC and you might have a very heavy PPC plan that disregards SEO. You obviously want the blender both uh, for kind of the best results. That makes sense. Um, yeah, that will make sense. So last question for me. Um, so I guess in terms of different platforms, what are some mm -hmm. of the you've seen from working with different platforms that have impacted paid media teams so for example how products are set up maybe the kind of native feed capabilities of different platforms um, all of those kind of bits yeah um, so my background which I didn't touch upon like I mostly worked with Shopify for most of my career um, I have worked on probably about 10 or 15 Magento clients as well. Um, so that, so based on my experience, what I saw, as I touched on earlier, I was able to do more in Shopify as a PPCer, not as a dev. I was able to go in, install the apps, uh, kind of pull out the feed myself. And Magento, especially Magento 1, when I started using it about five years ago, um, I always would rely on a dev um, to make those changes. And it'll be a bit more time consuming um, to, obviously I don't want to make changes on a site, but even to pull a feed, it'll be time consuming to go back and forth with a dev um, to be like, okay, can we get this installed? Can we pull this feed? And from a usability perspective, I found Shopify just... Uh, obviously, I think they obviously use it first from like a business owner perspective, but that really helps kind of a paid team and even an SEO team who doesn't have who don't have that uh, developer experience to go on install an app, pull their feed. Um, so from my experience, using Shopify is kind of a friendly thing for kind of your paid team to have access to. Um, and again, making I think it's just judging that PPC, it's PPC team obviously giving them the right access not making on on-site actual code changes um, but again to install a Google Merchant Center you often have to upload a file to the site 
the only one I'd feel comfortable doing that on would be Shopify as they make it very simple. Um, but that is purely from a usability perspective that I find Shopify easier to use. But then the caveat to that is their own Google Shopping app I find is terrible. Um, it pulls in kind of API linked into Google Merchant Center. You can't really edit the raw attributes. Um, so a drawback is if someone re-platforms to Shopify, Shopify Plus, and they're like, okay, great, we'll install the Google Shopping app. That'll pull into Google Merchant Center. Um, it does it via an API, so you can't make any changes to it. Um, the actual app in itself is fairly limited with some of the changes you can make, and also you can't make them really in, in bulk. Um, so if they're just using the out-of-the-box Google Shopping app, um, I find it's, it's pretty much terrible. It looks great, and it, it will sing a good uh praise of itself in terms of how to use it but in terms of getting real into the technical level um it doesn't really uh work for me um and i think you find that in google shopping is one of the things you see most when you're orders and accounts and you're looking at other kind of accounts how they're built especially like in in-house run if, if does someone doesn't have any experience google shopping does work out the box smart shopping works out the box and it is simple as you know clicking something in shopify it's in merchant center you put it into ads and you just set live a campaign and it's basically all your products the same bids all targeted the same and you know the thing is sometimes you can see like a nice free four to one ROI and you won't be none the wiser to you you could really improve that um, I do find that a lot with shopping um, that people are happy with performance because it is bringing a positive uh, performance but they don't realize how far it can go um, so that's kind of Sign free Shopify, which I find a limitation. That's why we look at kind of third party um, kind of apps that you know aren't Google or Shopify recommended. It's like it's like the data feed watch on Shopify and pull it into a third party like Shoptimized, and then push it into Google Merchants and it allows us to make those changes. Um, so that is a limitation on just the Google Shopping app on Shopify, um, and then I guess depending on what they're replatforming to elsewhere um it's like i said custom builds are a funny one um probably won't touch too much on those but i've never had fun with them <laughs> um they always too much work from a ppc side to have the access to and i found sometimes the feeds can be limiting because of the way the custom build has been done obviously it depends on the agency that develops and built it but sometimes they haven't been built in mind with a product feed and they can be really limiting and there'll be a lot of work to do um and then moving on to kind of the magento side i think from from magento moving from magento one to magento two is just making sure everything is kind of the same i, I again I've, I've said this before today but it is just making sure things are the same like your product product kind of titles the categorizations um any broad scale changes to those um is going to have a big effect on what's pushing out the data feed. Um, but it really, again, it depends on the complexity of products. I know Paul, you mentioned earlier about, you know, moving, you know, different languages and uh, different currencies. Like if that is a new thing on the website, then we're going to want, you know, two or three or four more feeds of these products. We're not going to want all those products in, in a single feed because that's not how Google shopping works. Um, so, from that side just really consider what changes you're doing to the site um if your site replatforming is on the basis that you're you know globalizing um kind of your reach and and your platform 
then consider what it's doing to the product feed. Um, consider, you know, the new languages, new new currencies. If you're pushing this all out in the same way, then you're going to affect the pay team. Um, obviously, there's going to be more work to do for the pay team anyway, and that's part of life. Um, but to limit the amount of work they have to do on the existing is kind of the key scenario. That's amazing. That, uh, again, lots of really good food for thought and practical, tangible takeaways that people can can um, can hopefully take to inform um, their replatforming project. So thanks for, yeah. thanks for running through that and giving um, some practical examples as well as we've gone. Uh, that's covered all the key questions, from my point anyway. Um, how about yourself, Paul? Is yeah, I, th I think that's covered everything from my side as well. I think that's, uh, yeah, as you say, really useful. Yeah, Excellent. awesome. Um, so thanks, thanks, Scott, for taking the time. Always appreciated. Always good to talk to you. Uh, thank you to everybody for listening. We really hope you got some, some good insights and some takeaways that, that will help your project. Uh, Scott, if anyone's got any questions for you, what's the best way for them to give you a shout? Uh, I'm very active on Twitter. So at Scrite, S-E-R-I-G-H-T is probably where I will get back to you the quickest. But if you're not a Twitter user, then feel free to just drop me an email, scott at vivant.com. Amazing. Thank you. Uh, and same applies for me and Paul. If anyone's got any questions related to this uh, episode, please do give us a shout as well. Uh, use your contact details, LinkedIn, Twitter, etc. Um, and please stay tuned for the next episode that will be coming quite shortly to whichever uh, podcast listener you're on. Um, have a great day, everybody.